Listener-supported KFUO invites you to listen live to our annual share It's your opportunity to show your support to KFUO. If you can't join us live, please prayerfully consider supporting us by calling 314-996-1518 and asking about our giving levels. You can also click the Give Now button on our webpage. Share 2017, April 20th, 21st, and 22nd. This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Foster care and adoption services exist for the benefit of children. States often partner with private foster care and adoption agencies to help place children with loving families. Many of these private agencies are faith-based, but this system has come under fire, especially since the Supreme Court's Obergefell decision legalizing gay marriage. Secular and LGBT interests have passed legislations in some areas stating that all private foster care and adoption agencies must be willing to place children with same-sex couples. Religious agencies that adhere to the biblical teaching that marriage is between one man and one woman are faced with the choice of abandoning their beliefs or losing state contracts to place children. Fortunately, some states are taking a stand for religious freedom by passing legislation protecting such faith-based agencies. I discuss the situation with Peter Sprigg, Senior Fellow for Policy at the Family Research Center, on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. Vice President Mike Pence cast the deciding vote in the Senate to advance a measure allowing states to once more have the freedom to avoid funding Planned Parenthood clinics with federal, quote, family planning grants. At issue is a rule created by the Obama administration last December, which forbade states to withhold Title X family planning grants to Planned Parenthood clinics because they perform abortions. President Trump is expected to sign the legislation into law. A federal judge has blocked an Indiana mandate requiring women to undergo an ultrasound at least 18 hours before having an abortion, ruling that the requirement is likely unconstitutional and creates, quote, clearly undue burdens on women, particularly low-income women. U.S. District Judge Tanya Walton-Pratt's ruling grants a preliminary injunction temporarily blocking the ultrasound waiting period. Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky and the American Civil Liberties Union of Indiana had sued the state last July, contending the mandate was unconstitutional and would prevent some women from getting abortions. Christians and Chinese government officials have come to blows over demands that churches in a city known as, quote, China's Jerusalem install surveillance cameras for, quote, anti-terrorism and security purposes. The government issued the orders to churches in Wenzhou late last year and began implementing them before the lunar year holiday in January. The confrontation with the city's Christian community, which is estimated to number roughly one million, comes three years after the authorities ordered the removal of crosses on top of church buildings on the ground that they were illegal structures. Opponents called the 2014 campaign religious persecution. Russia's Justice Ministry suspended the Jehovah's Witnesses on March 24th, 
alleging that its activities, quote, violate Russia's laws on combating extremism. The Russian authorities have used their extremism law to systematically harass the Jehovah's Witnesses, a legally registered religious group in Russia with close to 20,000 adherents. That law, which requires neither the use nor advocacy of violence for activity to be labeled extremist, was enacted after a sustained Russian campaign against this group began in early 2006. World Liquor News Digest will be back right after these messages. There's a special place where rare books from times long ago come alive in your imagination. A special place where you can rediscover values that transcend time itself. A special place of adventure, mystery, and drama that's both old and new at the same time. Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor William Whedon, LCMS Director of Worship. Jesus said some hard things in John 6, and lots of his disciples turned away and stopped following him. He asked the 12 if they wanted to go too. Peter responded for them all, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Words of eternal life, those are the words your Jesus has for you. Join me for the next broadcast of Thy Strong Word, 11 a.m. Central on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Mr. Peter Sprigg. He's a senior fellow for policy studies at the Family Research Council. Uh, Mr. Sprigg, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and about your organization? Right. Well, I work in the uh, uh, policy division at Family Research Council, which means I do extensive research, writing, and uh, and media interviews on the issues of, uh, I deal primarily with issues of marriage, family, and human sexuality, and in particular, uh, the, the issues around the LGBT agenda. So um, I've been here at Family Research Council for uh, almost 16 years now doing this work, and FRC is the leading pro-family think tank and activist organization located in Washington, D.C. We're right uh, right at the heart of power, and uh, we think they're thereby able to try to influence policy on the national level and also provide sort of assistance, technical assistance to our colleagues in the states who are working to promote pro-family policy in the states as well. So we deal with uh, issues of uh, religious liberty, pro-life issues, and then the, the issues that I deal with of marriage and family and human sexuality. Well, one thing that we at the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate are strong supporters of is the concept of adoption, certainly as an alternative to abortion. And our church has been very active, and it has other Christian organizations. 
However, in recent years, there's been a bit of a trend among certain states, I think probably uh, spurred on by the LBGT community, to state that religious-based organizations for adoption have to comply with their identity, with their concept of discrimination. That means that a religious organization such as ours that opposes uh, same-sex marriage would be ineligible for public contracts or funding from the states, from the various states, if we were to refuse to adopt children into same-sex couples. Is this, uh, this is something that's been going on. Yes, this is a, a very troubling development and really a form of discrimination against Christians and against Christian adoption agencies or faith-based adoption agencies that we're very concerned about. During the debate over same-sex marriage before the, um, before the U.S. Supreme Court sort of imposed a redefinition of marriage on the whole country, uh, we had frequently raised this issue of, as, as an example of how religious liberty would be threatened if same-sex marriage were to be adopted, if marriage were to be redefined. And the predictions came true in uh, several states, in, in Massachusetts, in Illinois, in the District of Columbia. And uh, it's, a continued, uh, it's a continued battle, however, uh, across the country. A few states, I guess, have, have actually tried to protect the conscience rights of faith-based uh, agencies, uh, South Dakota being the most recent, where the governor a, a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, signed a bill to protect faith-based adoption agencies. It, it's, a, it's a grave concern to us, and the, there's a real irony here because for so long, LGBT activists have uh, pushed the idea that they represent uh, diversity and uh, and want to have diversity. But apparently, they they don't believe in diversity. It's diversity for me, but not for thee. <laughs> it's a philosophy because they don't believe in having a diverse group of uh, of adoption. Uh, agencies uh, providing these services to the public. The one thing that that I want to emphasize is that they've not made a case that there's any state where where same-sex couples are not able to adopt it, where they're not able to find an adoption agency that will serve them, a secular agency, a state-based agency or something. But what they're trying to do is say that's not good enough. The fact that we can adopt is not good enough. We want to force other people to to stop doing these kind of services uh, unless they, they will go along with our ideological agenda. And, that, and that's really troubling and disturbing. Well, What's even even more troubling and disturbing is this is something that hurts children. There are people crying for children that they they want to be placed, and they're shutting down adoption agencies. This this makes no sense. Well, that's right. I mean, if you if you shut down a, a Christian adoption agency, there's no guarantee that there's going to be another agency going to pop up to fill the void there, and so. Uh, the likely result is that there will be fewer adoptive parents, particularly those who, who might prefer to work with a Christian agency, and therefore fewer homes for, um, uh, for the children who need adoption. You know, you have more, more, more children ending up in uh, foster care or even potentially more children ended up, ending up being aborted if the pregnant mother does not find an adoption agency that she wants to work with. Well, actually, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed a lady out in California who is an adoptee herself. Uh, she was born in California. Uh, her mother gave her up for adoption at birth and was uh, placed in a Lutheran home through Lutheran Social Services and has 
just a wonderful life right now. But I'm reading, for example, out in, uh, in California, there is something called H.R. 1681, the so-called Every Child Deserves a Family Act. Now, if this had been law when she had been born, she couldn't have been adopted. Right. Uh, and this is the this is the shocking thing is is to that it's not increasing the number of adoptive placements. It's only going to reduce it. Uh, and the only the only purpose served is is an ideological one to punish people, punish people who disagree with uh, with the LGBT agenda. And uh, that that's very disturbing that they're willing to do that. Uh, at the expense of children. Well, even it even goes beyond that. For example, uh, whether or not the, the marital status. Uh, I know uh, that we, for example, uh, would not allow an adoption for a cohabiting heterosexual couple. Right. Because that is not that's in our in our view in the LCMS. This is wrong, and I'm sure it's the case with Catholics and other organizations as well. So it's not just the LBGT uh, uh, organizations. There is a broad sweep here on sexual mores and family issues as well. That's right, and and uh, what you just described is a, is also a policy that a lot of other agencies and some other states have had, where there is there should be, and this is the position that we've taken at Family Research Council is that. At the very least, there should be a strong preference for placing children uh, with a married couple, preferably with a married mother and father, so that you have a role model of both sexes uh, for that child. But uh, and the social science all uh, has has always indicated that children do better, you know, with a married mother and father. But that you know seems to go out the window when it comes up against this this <laughs> kind of anything goes. <laughs> yeah, funny thing about that. <laughs> Settled science? No, nah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, it's ironic that it's it's uh, conservatives are usually accused of being anti-science. You know, when you talk about things like uh, evolution or climate change or something, conservatives are are treated as anti-science. But uh, but when there's strong social science research, uh, you know, showing uh, that that children do better with a mom and a dad, for example, as there is, well, that research is just ignored or explained away. And so there, there's a great deal of hypocrisy about the question of, um, of using evidence-based science as the basis for policymaking. Well, we certainly see that in the abortion debate where there was this, this flat denial of fetal pain. Right. I mean, so, well, and just a general denial that, uh, that, that the human. unborn human being is, <laughs> yeah. is, is in fact a human being. And, uh, you know, they. I think that in the case of the life issue, you have uh, you have the technological advances like ultrasound technology and so forth, which has helped the pro-life movement because it's just made it harder and harder for people to deny that you know that that the unborn child is is a human being. But uh, uh, it you know continues to be a challenge where you're dealing with the social sciences. Well, even many on the pro-choice side will say that abortion. Well, it should be allowed is not a preferable choice. That uh, that uh, adoption would certainly be a, the, uh, a good alternative to it. And yet, we're seeing these very same groups doing what they can to restrict uh, adoption. And uh, I, I just don't follow that logic. That this, as you pointed out, this is ideological. What are we seeing here on the ideological front? What are they trying to accomplish? Well, essentially, um, I, I think what LGBT activists are trying to accomplish, they, they've succeeded uh, for the most part in, in getting access to all the legal benefits uh, that, uh, that any, any other couple, any other family might have. 
or any other individual, uh, but you know, including the right to marry and so forth, the right to adopt children and so forth. But um, what continues to bother them is that there are people who disapprove of their particular choices, the, uh, the particular, you know, sexual conduct that they choose to engage in and the uh, relationships that they choose to pursue. And uh, they basically want to make it illegal to hold the point of view that we hold, which is that individuals and society would be better off if people would not choose uh, to engage in sexual conduct with other people of the same sex. And so uh, it, it's uh, it, it's really trying, you know, I mentioned the the irony of uh, people who usually proclaim diversity. They're trying to inf- uh, impose a conformity, uh, a conformity of viewpoint where uh, no one is allowed to, well, they, if they're allowed to speak it, they're at least they're not allowed to act upon the belief uh, that children do better with a mother and father or that uh, or that there's anything at all undesirable about homosexual conduct and homosexual relationships. Well, essentially, we're discussing thought crime, just like in the right. book 1984. Right, exactly. And it's just kind of unbelievable that we've reached this point. Now, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when we were debating some of the legal issues, some of the legal uh, principles, and we made that warning, we issued the warning that, hey, this is going to lead to kind of thought control and punishment of people for what they believe and so forth. All that was denied. The uh, LGBT activists were just trying to win, when they were just trying to win legal rights, they denied that this was going to affect anybody else's rights. But obviously our our slippery slope sort of predictions uh, are being validated and are coming true uh, more and more every day. If anything, you understated it. <laughs> right, right. Because we're, uh, we're seeing it all around. And, and as you pointed out, the Obergefell decision, especially in not just in the dissenting opinions on that thing, but even uh, even some of the statements made by the Solicitor General was very, very clear on how, yes, indeed, this will impact people who hold traditional beliefs and traditional views. Uh, They made no bones about it, and still the Supreme Court ruled the way it did. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, with the case of, in the case of adoption, of course, uh, the the hook that they... um activists have is that they're saying, you know, adoption is a legal proceeding. It's a legal process. And so they're saying that there uh, can't be any discrimination there uh, because of it being a legal process. But as I said, there there are an abundance of providers available. So really um, allowing diversity in the policies of the adoption agencies uh, does not prevent anyone from getting access to to adoption. But if they're going to impose this in something like adoption, then then you know it, it's only a matter. And they're obviously they're imposing it. People have probably your listeners have probably heard about the uh, those uh, in profit making businesses in the wedding industry oh, who yes. are being told that they have to conform and and uh, uh, provide their services for same-sex weddings, even if there are an abundance of other service providers available uh, who, who could provide the same service. And uh, so, it, again, it's, it's an effort to sort of impose, to prevent people from acting upon a belief that is, that is contrary to the beliefs that, that, that the LGBT activists see, seek to promote. Almost like they are viewing 1984 as an instruction manual rather than as a cautionary tale. Uh, right. And, and I mean, um, I, there have been occasional times when people when um, the, the suggestion has been made that, that, you know, there's been some liberals who have said, you know, oh, you're going a little too far here. I was kind of reviewing a story recently of uh, 
of Chip and Joanna Gaines, who have this popular uh, reality TV show, Fixer Upper, and they're they're a Christian couple in, who live in Waco, Texas, and they happen to attend a church whose pastor has preached against redefining marriage to include same-sex couples. And they were attacked in the media. They were, in that case, where it didn't even involve the people who were, who were being targeted, it involved. It was kind of a guilt-by-association situation. Uh, th- there were uh, some liberals who, who, uh, who defended them and said, that, you know, this is, uh, this is going a bit far. But uh, unfortunately for a lot of these LGBT activists, there doesn't seem to be any limit to how far they're willing to push it in, in demanding conformity to their viewpoint. Especially if you have any discussions on Facebook or other social media, you'll very quickly discover that there's very little tolerance. At the, uh, right, and I mean, I've heard this. I've heard this even, uh, ironically, even at um, uh, Christian colleges where uh, you have some some students who are, uh, you know, who are kind of supporting the. Um, uh, or at least aspects of the LGBT agenda, greater uh, support for for those issues. And uh, I've been told that the the um, the ones who are pro LGBT tend to be very outspoken. The ones who are more traditional and more conservative in their viewpoint uh, tend to keep their mouth shut. Tend to be intimidated uh, by those activists and and uh, actually keep their mouth shut. And this this happens even when even on a Christian college campus where 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 the conservatives may be the majority but they're not the most they're not the most vocal. Well, I think that's part of what makes a conservative is that uh, it it's a matter of uh, of belief and action rather than rather than shouting down. You know, it's, it's the, like the issue of free speech. Uh, yeah. And uh, the other side says, "Oh yeah, we support free speech but not hate speech and we'll define what is hate speech." And that's it's a very very dangerous concept. Right. Well, the, another example that's been in the news from the from the world of the the church uh, just in the last couple of weeks is uh, Tim Keller, the highly respected pastor and uh, author, who has been very successful in a uh, you know founding a church right in Manhattan and in New York City and and reaching uh, you know millennials and and uh, yuppies and people who maybe are not uh, not attracted to the traditional church. And uh, he was it was announced at Princeton Theological. Seminary, which is not part of Princeton University, but a separate organization, was um, was going to award him the uh, Kuiper Prize, named after the distinguished theologian Abraham Kuiper. And some people, you know, came attacked this idea because they didn't agree with some of the things that Tim Keller stands for, or that his denomination, the Presbyterian Church of, in America, stands for. And um, Princeton. Uh, in a great show of cowardice, actually capitulated to this pressure and said, no, they're not going to give him the Kuiper Prize after all. So here, there you have a violation of, um, of diversity and of, uh, they are going to let him speak, I guess. So he, he's being allowed free speech, but, but uh, certainly it's an assault on, on academic freedom and academic diversity in that case. Um, so that's another example oh, uh, uh, that, that's been in the news. Now we're seeing uh, a lot of that. Yeah, uh, where where there's an effort to sort of stifle any any sort of conservative viewpoint, and impose you know a, a mandatory uh, liberal ideology. Well, here in uh, St. Louis, one of our pastors from the International Center where I work was invited to speak uh, at Washington University to a group called the Lutheran Student Fellowship. It was a religious group, and uh, he was invited to speak there on the nature of marriage. 
And oh boy, when the people found out that the LCMS opposes gay marriage, you would not have believed some of the comments that were that were listed there. Now I happen to know the pastor involved, and he is not this monster that uh, that was they're portraying. But this seems right. to be. Uh, this demonization is is part of it, and I think that's yeah. also what we're seeing here within this adoption agency. And it's, I think the military terms are collateral damage. They don't care who, what innocent people get harmed, and what they're doing. And and again, this this adoption situation can only hurt children. There's no other way to put it. It, it can only hurt children. Yes. Yeah. It, it's. Um, but you know, as I said, the the, the um, it, it's very coercive it's really uh almost a totalitarian ideology in 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 a way where any any dissent from their viewpoint is not to be allowed i mean the the uh I think something that would be more consistent with American principles is to to have a free and open debate about this, to allow you know a, a thousand flowers to bloom, so to speak. Allow uh, allow adoption agencies that serve uh, LGBT uh, couples, you know, enthusiastically, and allow Christian ones that give preference to um, opposite sex couples, and and uh, allow you know uh, uh, allow diversity. Uh, uh, and the same thing, you know, in the academic community and so forth. We should have free and open Open debates. That's how we arrive at the truth. Normally, is is to allow each side to present its its best case and and let people listen and see what the argument they find most compelling and and uh, and society will will gradually sort of form a consensus or will continue to uh, will continue to allow a diversity of viewpoints. But it, it seems like that that approach. Which seems to me like the uh, sort of the American ideal, you know, is it, kind of thrown out the window when it comes to uh, these issues involving LGBT, the LGBT agenda, as I've said. So uh, it's, it's, you know, not only troubling to those, it should be troubling not only to those of us who are, who are Christians, who, who agree with the conservative viewpoint, but it should be troubling to anybody who believes in freedom of speech or, or, or freedom of religion, no matter which side of the argument they they fall on regarding sexual orientation or family structure and so forth. So uh, that's that's the really troubling part is is that uh, it's not just a matter of you know trying to persuade people to your side; it's trying to coerce people uh, by silencing the opposite the opposite point of view. Well, Mr. Sprigg, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you for joining the program, and I'd like to remind our listeners that they can learn more about the Family Research Council at frc.org. Uh, is that correct? frc.org? frc.org, yes. Mm-hmm. That's well, our website. Thank you very much, and keep up the good fight. We're glad that you're there. Well, thank you, and uh, may God bless your work as well. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. 
You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.